0: This is Joseph Carlson, and this is episode 107 of Gaming with Grief, and I'm calling this episode The Dishonored 2 Review Part 1. Uh, But let me remind you guys that this podcast will hit my website, www.gamingwithgrief.com, Monday morning at 7 a.m. Leave a comment. Let me know how I can improve the episode. Or you can go to gwgpodfellows at gmail.com. Drop me a line. You know, uh, let me know that you heard the show. Let me know how I can improve. Or if you just have a question or comment, uh, drop it there. Or you can go to iTunes, subscribe to the podcast there. Uh, again, leave me stars, likes, reviews, that sort of stuff. And you can go to the Google Play Store um, and download it there if you're an Android listener and subscribe there. Um, I don't really know a lot about the Android Store, so do what you would do there to rate the podcast. Uh, you can also find me at JustLittleJoe on Twitter. Uh, and uh, you know, let me know what you think of the episode there. Um, so yeah, this episode I'm calling, uh, you know, the Dishonored Two Review Part One, because you know, well, I'm gonna di- review Dishonored, but I actually had to work a lot of overtime this week and wasn't able to finish the game. But it was kind of a happy accident because what happened was I was able to spend about an hour, hour and a half, two hours to kind of dive in and get some history uh, of the game and how it was developed by the studio, Arcane Studios um there's a great uh kind of youtube uh online company called noclip i don't know how they would characterize themselves but they do documentaries about video games and that's kind of a rare thing Uh, you can donate to their patreon or watch their youtube videos Uh, they've done documentaries about final fantasy 14 and how it was reborn into Final Fantasy XIV: A Realm Reborn, they've done things on the twenty sixteen version of Doom that Id Software kind of reiterated or reiterated and kind of made a new version of Doom that's there. I've watched that. And this, they actually just on, um, what's the date I got here on May 10th, 2021, they released a documentary about Dishonored. They went and interviewed people from Arcane. They covered Dishonored one and Dishonored two. And I thought it was pretty great. It was kind of kismet since I was doing all this research and trying to find out more about the game. Uh, so I actually watched the noclip documentary, uh, and just again, like the other kind of reviews and things I've done, I'm just going to give you the bullet points, but please Go support Noclip. They're doing great work. Uh, I am actually a Patreon member. I give them three dollars a month. So you can go as little as a a dollar a month. Uh, But yeah, it helps pay for them to fly places and interview developers and, uh, you know, um, edit. They have to edit things full time. I believe I just saw that they released a, a documentary on Dark Souls. So that's Going to be pretty interesting. I'll be watching that. I know, I think for patrons it hits early. I usually just wait for it to go to YouTube and then watch it there. Um, but yeah, it really helped me dive into the game. Uh, the documentary is about an hour long and um, they interview several the developers. There's a French studio, um, and um, I want to say in Lyon, France. I hope I got that right. That's one thing I actually didn't write down, but I know it's a French studio. Uh, and there's one in Texas. So they would both talk about both people they developed on both sides of the um, of the, the the ocean. When they talked to them, they said that they um, basically had a web portal open the whole time, uh, a video audio web portal, and they could actually like, you know, uh, buzz the people in the other uh, city and say, hey, we got a question. can you do this or that? And they said sometimes it created problems because obviously time zones and such were, oh yeah, they're in bed, this sucks. Oh, they'll be here, blah, blah, blah. Um, but it was kind of interesting. Um, I played Dishonored 1 when it was released. I uh, actually didn't write down when that was released, but I did write down uh, Dishonored 2 was released on um, November 11th, 2016. Got pretty good reviews. IGN gave it a 9.3. PC Game gave it a 93. Right now in Metacritic, it sits at an 88. So that's pretty cool. But it was really interesting to hear um, like where they initially came up with the ideas for the game. Uh, They originally pitched the game to each other as they wanted to do something like Dishonored 1 but put it in Japan. And they talked about, ah, it's boring. You know, everybody wants to make an Assassin's game in Japan. Everybody wants to do something in Japan. We need to do something different. So somebody just came upon the idea of like, well, why don't we're in Europe? Why don't we just kind of use europe as an inspiration uh, you know dunwall was kind of london if you look at like the aesthetics of the original game that took place in dunwall uh they used a lot of like industrial you know uh industrial revolution architecture you know there's a lot of cold metal walls uh definitely everything used whale oil so the term whale punk i heard was coined i don't know if that's true or not i mean i heard it used a lot i don't know who coined it But uh, I don't know if originally in history they called it Whale Punk. I'm sure they they just used whale oil and stuff like that. But yeah, they all kind of like brainstormed and they said, well, what if we did it in Europe? And they started showing design documents and art. And you could definitely see where the inspiration of like Spain and uh, just beautiful cities definitely have more of an open European, what I'm guessing is European. I've never been to Europe. But you do get this feeling that it is not America, obviously. Um, Yeah, they... uh, So they they came upon – sorry, I was just like recapping my notes. They came upon this idea early on that like from Dishonored 1 of like, okay, so if you're not having to kill the guards, if you can sneak around them or knock them out or whatever. Use sleeping darts, which I personally love sleeping darts. I'll get into that in my review. But they said if you didn't want to do that to the guards, then you shouldn't have to do that to the main targets uh so i remember in the first one i got a low chaos ending meaning that you didn't there was a plague going on The more people you killed the rats in the area would feed off the bodies and create more and more of a problem for you and other people uh i thought this was a cool idea but it just caused so much trouble you kill one body and there's a head rolling around then someone else comes and sees it and yes you can hide the bodies and all this but it's hard when there's body parts lying around because you could decapitate people in that. if you were playing the first one so they really kept that idea alive in the second one. They said, okay, so we have to get, um, they, they wanted people to play their way. And they said, you know, and this is my breath of the wild disclaimer. They said, um, they, they want people to have the wow moment of seeing something in a way that they, you know, that you didn't think of. Um, and, uh, just going, wow, they planned for that. And, um, They told this incredibly long story about in the first game, there was like a masquerade party where everybody was wearing masks. I barely remember it. But they said there was so much planning to go into. Well, what if um, instead of this duel that happens at the party, what if the player just decides to use a sleep dart? What if the player does decide to kill this person? Uh, What if the player decides to... There was three targets at the masquerade party. Uh, and they said that it was procedurally generated every time you would load into the level. Like, you know, the first time you'd load in, it would lock that, whatever. But if you had a second playthrough, it would be different. So he said there was so much scripting to determine. So what if they do this to the, because every, if I remember right, and from the footage I showed, each of your targets in that level wore a different color costume, like white and red, and I think black. So they would go, what happens if the black... Uh, woman in this is the target this time what if the woman in the white dress is the target this time what do we do how do we do that and they would just went back and back and forth um so what they did is they tried to set you again like the first game you could go incredibly non-stealth you could sneak through everything not be detected there's a ghost run which i looked at the achievements that seems impossible but i looked online and somebody said you can do it it has to be you were spotted under a few amount of time so you could still be spotted but it has to be, like, a handful of times, I think. Because um, they understand it's probably very difficult to do that. But um, they said... So what they try to do is put you outside the level and um, and make you really think about how to infiltrate the, um, the areas. And they tried to do that with every level. And they had an idea of having you... When you got done with the target, they planned for you to decide to leave. So, like, instead of the level just ending, you can tell... You know there'll be different points in the game, and even in the second one, there was points in the game where it said, "You know, do you want to leave this area or go to the next area? Do you want to stay?" Because obviously you can explore, you can find collectibles, stuff like that. It was really, really, really well thought out. Um, there's some levels that I'll talk about later when I do the part two review, uh, because they go into detail on in certain levels that stood out. One of them I played, and I'll talk about it in my review. The other one is in the second half, which I'll play and have the full review uh, next week. But what I thought was really interesting was they said, you know, they almost looked at, them, at themselves as competition, which blows my mind. Uh, I guess every game developer, anybody who does that when they're doing their own stuff, but they said, you know, there's really big standout levels in the first game, and we thought, what do we do? Well, uh, they did, um, and uh, in a big way. Um, but one other thing I want to talk about. So, of course, this is called Gaming with Grief. I do talk about grief in games. Uh, in the first game... Uh, your mother the empress dies and it's sad she's assassinated uh, and the second game takes place 15 years later it's the anniversary of her death people are coming from all over to pay homage to her you and your father corvo who is the main character in the first game are in a big hall um, and it is taken over by your aunt who basically wants to reclaim the throne because she was basically thrown out of court um, and she is a rightful heir in the rightful empress so what I thought was interesting about that was um, there's some things in the beginning where you have a painting of your mother and people put roses down to, um, you know, pay homage to her or pay their respects. But there was an interesting part. in the first game, there was something called a heart, which is this weird heart with a clock machine in it. and when you would hold it up, it would show you um, it would show you where collectibles are and stuff like that. And I don't remember in the first one, but um, in the second one, when you get the heart, uh, you meet somebody called the Outsider who was in the first one. They give you powers like to teleport and uh, s- stop time and things like that. Really cool. Um, in the second game, they do that. But what they do is they um, – they, you get the you, – because you, you can do a run with no powers. So you can tell the Outsider, no, I don't really want your gifts. If you take the gifts from the Outsider, um, you, out, you have this scene where you go through this void area uh, and he's like, you know, go take my other gifts. And you basically go get the heart again. But what I thought was interesting about this, and I'm thinking about it more and more, and I'm going to talk about it more in my second part of the review because I'm kind of in the middle of this. But my initial impressions are when you take the heart, the ghost of your mother appears and says, I uh, am here, I don't have a lot of time, but I'll be with you in the heart and I'll do what I can. And um, so when you use the heart in the second game, it also shows you... Um, You know, where the collective ball and stuff like that. But you can point the heart at people. And again, I don't remember this happened in the first game. If it did, I'm sorry. But I just think about it now because it's happening a lot. If you point the heart at somebody and hit the attack button the heart will whisper to you in your mother's voice secrets that people are thinking or um, desires. Or if you point at an object in a city, uh, your mom talks about how she wished she took you out more. When you go to the uh, Karnaka, the second level, it's basically like Spain, in my opinion, what I've seen of Spain, photos and videos of Spain. Um, and she says, I really wanted to take you out of town one more time. I really wanted to spend more time with you. This would have been a great way to do it and I'll never do it. So these these really weird sections, not weird but um, kind of integrated sections of grief in the game where you are actively talking to your mother, or at least she's talking to you through this heart. And that was something that I found kind of fascinating. And there's a scene halfway through the game where you go back into the void, you confront the main villain who also has similar powers to you. And then your mother comes back to you in a vision when you wake up and says, I'm here with you, but I don't have much time. And I will basically be going soon. And you ask your mother, you know, did everything I just go through was a dream? And she says it was not. Um, and she says some things to you that have to do with the plot, which I'll get into next week. Uh, but she disappears. And one other interesting thing that I thought was the dev team said, you know, the actress that plays your mother, uh, they gave her name. I didn't write it down. I'm a bad. Uh, I'm a bad person. But they said that what they thought was so interesting is the fact that. People loved uh, in the studio loved her voice, and they thought she did an amazing job. But what people don't know is she actually does the voice of Eric Cartman's mother on South Park. And hearing that kind of blew me away because I've fallen off with South Park. I kind of watched Fallout, watched some Fallout. Um, But over the years, her mother's voice is so distinct. She's now playing a completely different character that's grief-stricken. She's died. Uh, She's following you around. It's just a completely different uh, thing of voice acting from... Uh, you know, the uh, South Park, and it, it really blew me away, and I thought it was really amazing. So, that's that. Said, I think I don't want to go too much into the documentary. Again, there's some notes I have in certain levels that I'll get into. One of them I'll get into now when I do my review, but the other one will come next week because I haven't got to that level yet. But they just showed a little teaser for it in the documentary uh, to not give away too much. Um, but they, um, it intrigued me. So, I want to see where that goes. But yeah, my review of Dishonored 2. I uh again I'm reviewing this because my friend Benjamin Nelson who passed away. I talked about him last week. Uh he bought me this game when it came out and I never finished it. So now I'm playing it and finishing it and it is really good. Um it does remind me a lot of the first one obviously. There's a weird um choice you have in the beginning of the game. When the coup happens and your aunt tries to take over, they give you a very quick choice. They say, Do you want to play as Corvo like you did in the first game, or do you want to play as Emily? And I, what I think is really interesting about that is um, before I played, I asked a friend of mine, I said, uh, You know, is there a difference between the first and second game with Corvo? You know, does he get new powers or anything? Is there any kind of new cool game mechanics? And he says, Well, he doesn't get any new powers because my friend played the game years ago. And uh, I said, well, there's, why would I play him? Because it's like, he's just doing this. I mean, obviously the environments are new and there's some really cool new levels. And, you know, maybe there's some new physics options. You can chain things together. My thing is like, it just seems kind of like retreading old ground. Um, so that's why I played as uh, Emily, the um, the woman, his daughter, who is the Empress now. Um, and uh, Emily Caldwell. Um, I heard her name a lot because I died and people taunt you when you die. Um... And I, I do like that they give you the option to play Corvo because you're probably used to playing him um, being, you know, the second game. But I think it, it, I don't understand. It would have been more impactful if you were just her, I think, because she has more skin in the game. Obviously, somebody took over her throne. She wants it back. But obviously, that gives more replayability. Uh, Corvo's old powers obviously fit really well into the world. Um, his blink thing's still amazing. I love his teleport Uh, stopping time is amazing. I noticed that Emily doesn't have that when I'm playing her. Um, In fact, I think that's one thing, you know, I I kind of understand, not like I don't want to race through this game. And I said that when I'd start reviewing games, I didn't want to race through stuff. But I do understand the, like, review process of you have a limited amount of time, you have to get this done. So there is some things in the game that I'm skipping. I'm not getting a lot of the collectibles, which kind of sucks. Um, I might do that next level, just try to get the collectibles to see you know how much better that is. There's one I'm particularly looking for. Um, in the first game, I love sleep darts. Uh, I've been reading online. In the second game, they uh, kind of reduce the amount of sleep darts you can find in the level because, um, you know, killing people is cool and everything. The high chaos, low chaos thing is neat, but uh, mechanically, I like the sleep darts because if you hit someone with a sleep dart unaware, they instantly fall asleep, which you would expect, right? It's a sleep dart. If they see you and begin to attack you, and you hit someone with a sleep dart. It takes them a few seconds to fall over. So there's these great scenes where somebody will be running at me and I'll just shoot them with a sleep dart. And they'll go into their combat animations and they start going on and on about how they're going to kill me and how they're going to be the end of me. And then they fall over and start snoring. And I have yet to find that not funny. It's I've been playing for about six hours. It is hilarious. And I love it and I will continue to do it. Um, anyway, there is a like a like like a bone charm, which is basically like a a mod that you can equip that allows you to possibly uh, pick up your sleep dart from after you use it for somebody. So I want to get that because I love sleep darts. I'm like addicted to them. Um, I want, um, to knock people out and make them fall asleep. And i still love that they brought back from the first game, which is the snoring mechanic, which isn't really a mechanic. It's just something that I guess mechanics are bad word, but it's basically something that happens when you shoot someone with a sleep dart, uh, And they just start snoring. And it's great to just hear them napping. Um, I've gone non lethal. Uh, I've been able to take out the target so far without killing anybody. There was one guy, Jindosh, uh, who's in the Clockwork Mansion, which is one of the stand up missions I wanted to talk about in my review. Uh, In the documentary, they went into great detail about how you'd hit a lever in this house and the walls would realign rooms would come out of nowhere uh like a bathroom would turn into a study uh you could turn on different parts of power towards the end of the mission and um jindash uses an intercom system and he actually speaks through these metal soldiers called clockwork soldiers that he's created they have um swords for arms and they suck i hate them um they see you all the time Uh, but there's a way to make it so they don't attack you it's very difficult i watched some uh, walkthroughs online to try to get that straight it was really really hard um but uh needs to say i was gonna kill him because here's the deal um he's very smug and he talks to you through the intercom about how useless you are and blah. especially if you die he taunts you you know you have a second for the load screen where he says something about how useless you were how you're failed how you failed as an empress which i guess you have if you're dead But, and then there's another thing with this house. Like, nothing in this house needs to change the way it does, but this guy's an inventor. He made these clockwork soldiers and he invented this house that the things come out of nowhere, and the designers went into great detail about how they had to make everything move and they showed these pre-visualization concepts of walls sliding in and out and how long it would take and where they would go and there was only one section where they cheated they said everything had to move into the walls or move out of the way to create another room or fold into each other but there's only one part they cheated where they said a ceiling comes down and some stuff gets moved out of the way and they said that's the only time we cheated you can't break the camera but if you did you would notice that that stuff goes outside the walls of the the mansion and they only did that once because they said there was no other way to do it so they said we cheated once but so be it it's something the design-wise it's amazing in fact if i do i think you can go back and play chapters if not i'll probably end up at least playing it again to get to the clockwork mansion because what i think is i think i want to excuse me i want to see more of that place and how it um connects and how to get around Uh, Luckily, someone online showed me how to get through a maintenance hatch, but I did take out Jindosh nonviolently. You basically uh, give him electroshock to ruin his brain so he can no longer create these soldiers that he's going to create. He doesn't understand, like after you electroshock, uh, he doesn't know how to do a simple equation. He kind of verbally goes over this, excuse me, goes over this verbal equation in his mind and doesn't understand what to do. Or how to <clears throat> do normal things that he would normally, you know, do. And and so I took like this grim pleasure in, you know, he's still around, but uh, he's useless. Uh, that was kind of neat. Um, I did kind of get a thing too where I killed his clockwork soldiers in front of him. And I did the same thing with the sleep darts where he had his gun pointed at me. I shot him with the sleep dart. And the moment he was going to pull the trigger, the sleep dart came into effect and he fell over and started snoring. And I just carried him on my shoulder and just walked around. It was great. And I was eluding his uh, cabinets. I was just kind of looking around like, oh, painting, that's kind of cool. Oh, let me read your notes. While I have this sleeping guy on my shoulder, and I'm about to just make him, you know, pay for what he did. Um, But I did want to make him pay because again, I don't like, um, you know, he's smug and he has this big house. It's useless. And he thinks he's great because he made the mansions and he made metal death machines. So to me, it's, totally makes sense that i would kill him because um you know he's just a bad guy but that's like the fourth level in the game um in the in this game they added uh, the dreadful whale which is kind of like this offshore ship you're with megan foster is like the captain and you're um basically going on missions trying to figure out why this woman took over your uh you know she doesn't you don't think it's as plain as her just wanting to be the empress one day so you're kind of going out taking out her lieutenants uh non-violently or violently and you're um just kind of sneaking through the game going to these different places <clears throat> some of the things that was kind of unclear on why uh certain things were happening you know it's like why am i going after this person oh and then they'd kind of like right before the mission say this is why you're going after this person I do appreciate that. There's some kind of old game holdouts though. Um the idea that like when you load into a cut screen, it fades to black and then fades back in so the cut screen can load. Um when people are talking, which is the thing that happens at in games, but I remember it more back, you know, when this game was released was if there's kind of um ancillary dialogue of two if you walk in a room and two people are speaking, if you load a cutscene, it just cuts those people off so that way you can watch the cutscene. Which I guess is better than Skyrim, because in Skyrim, uh, you would, uh, you know, people would talk over each other, and you had absolutely no idea what was talking, uh, who was talking, or you know what was going on. Um, I do like Emily's powers, but because I'm trying to play the game for review, I haven't been able to find a lot of the uh, ruins that allow you to unlock her powers. She can chain two people together, called Domino. So if you, you chain people together and kill one person, the other person dies. Um, you can create a shadowy doppelganger, which it's like a decoy. People will think you are in the corner, uh, instead of teleporting like Corvo, you use this dark arm to pull yourself to a thing, which is kind of cool. But what sucks is people see you when you're getting pulled across the room. Um, there's also like a dark vision thing where you're harder to detect. Um, Corvo can still stop time, which spoilers for Jindosh in the clockwork mansion. I saw someone stop time several times when you initially meet Jandosh, run across to where he is, sneak in through where he was, and just drop him over a bridge because he doesn't expect that you're there so quickly. And I thought that was kind of cool. It probably seems like something that they played several times and were like, I'm going to do this because this guy sucks. So, um, yeah. So again, the first game starts out in Dunwall. Um, you know, the coup happens, you flee, you get captured, you flee. And at that moment you have the choice to kill your first target or let them live. And what you can do is if you knock someone out, you can take them somewhere and then kill them, which I like. Again, this goes into the high or low chaos. There is a different ending if you go low chaos and high chaos. I did low chaos in the first one because I'm a at two-shoes, as my wife always points out. I had a better ending than if I went, um, you know, uh, high chaos. Um, I didn't watch it on YouTube. I should probably watch it, go back and see what happens if it's a high chaos ending. Um, I'm going for low chaos now. You do have a couple of moments where you, um, you know, kill people because it's like there is sections. Again, I'm playing this for review. And sometimes it's like, go down to the boat. You're like, cool. Just gonna rock down to the boat. I'm tired of this place. I just wanna go down. You open a door and there's three guards. You're like, I just wanna get to the boat. So I just kill. A lot of people at that point to get to the boat it's what i do yeah it's great um so yeah you start out in dunwall you get to the boat megan foster's there she's like hey i know you know that you're not this killer that the people are looking for the crown killer who's killing people in your name apparently but there's a woman that we should probably go talk to she's the one that makes all the healing potions that you see throughout the land and the um the power elixirs um, to use your cool outsider powers, we should go talk to her. That leads to a really cool mission where it's like Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde, where the doctor is doing experiments on herself, or gets a wrong potion, basically is is uh, ch- uh tricked into taking a wrong potion and becomes this insane killer. Uh, and then the potion, uh, you know, she wakes up, doesn't remember anything. You basically make an antidote. You can kill her, uh, or you know, give her the antidote. I I gave her the antidote and said, just stay here. Again, I'm trying to be non-lethal, except for those few couple of things that, um, you know, that I just want to get done with the level. There is a sense of completion when you're done where you, especially this level getting from the clockwork mansion, where I got, uh, an ally Sokolov, who's like the scientist. I got him out of the clockwork mansion and then got Jindosh. Um, after I took out Jindosh, I just wanted to go back to the boat and start the next mission. One for review, but one like there's this finality to it of like, I did it. Let's get out of here. I got to, I got to exfiltrate. I got to get out. And again, the, the game does a good job of, again, they want to give people the choice and say, do you want to go look around? There's probably some collectibles. Maybe you can find some money um, to buy stuff, stuff like that. I get that. But for me, it's like finishing a book, which I finished a book last night, but felt great. But you do get this sense of, okay, I'm done. I want to move on. Uh, I don't know if that's, I guess that's a minor criticism. I get it. it. It goes both ways, right? Like I could just leave, but then I, as I was leaving that clockwork, uh, tower, the clockwork mansion, I was getting attacked. I didn't even look behind me. I was like, well, I just want to go to the boat. Someone attacked me. And then the cutscene started started. We got to the boat. So I don't even know who was trying to attack me behind me, but it was happening people. It was happening. Do I care? Not really. I'm on the boat. You good luck on land. Um, if you can hit me from there, good luck. You guys weren't, you know you're using what blender buses? yeah not so much um i will say the going back and watching the documentary and what i remember of dishonored one the art style and what i remember of dishonored two are much different because i was like well they're just kind of the same game you know the interface is slightly different but you could definitely tell from dishonored one there's a massive upgrade in graphics and they definitely brought a different even though the faces and things look the same the art style does look pretty unique and i think that's pretty amazing um and I think let's see, that's kind of where I started. I started the conservatory mission, which is like mission six. There's nine missions in the game, so I'm over halfway through. So I'll beat it next week, and I'll give you my final thoughts on that next week. Um, but I'm trying to think of anything else. Um, I went over my notes. Um, I'm really enjoying the game. It's one of those games where I didn't know that I was going to enjoy it this much until I sat down and, and played it. Like that was that was one of the things. And I'm and I'm thinking about it, you know, when I'm I got other projects I'm working on and stuff like that creatively, but um, I'm thinking about like, yeah, I wonder, what, I wonder what's going to happen in the next level. I wonder what I'm going to be able to discover, what I'm going to be able to find, you know, um, stuff like that. And so I think that's basically taking all my time is trying to figure out, you know, I, I have to go uh, on some long work trips next week, but hopefully I'll be home in time to, I, I mean, it will. Uh, come hell or high water, I'll be around long enough to beat the game. And gonna give you my final impressions, and I'm excited to see where the aspect of the heart goes with your mother. Maybe there'll be a good scene uh, with you know your mom fading away, but maybe you have a heartfelt moment, and that'll be good. And I'll be able to talk about that on the episode because I'm looking forward to that. Um, I think that's about it for this week, guys. Again, this is only part one. Uh, Next week I will do part two. I'll take some more notes. I'll talk about some of the levels I have. Some more notes on. there's a particular level, the clockwork mansion was amazing, like I said, the walls changing and stuff. But there's another mission that's coming up that they said was very difficult to pull off. And I'm looking forward to <clears throat> seeing, because I only saw certain clips in the game, so I'm looking forward to see how that comes to be and how, uh, how I find the level. But it looked pretty interesting. Uh, so I think that's it, guys. So be safe and, uh, you know, get your shot. Um, what else? Um, yeah, that's all. That's it for the week. So, just to remind you guys, this will this podcast with my website, www.gamewithgrief.com, Monday morning at 7 a.m. Go there, leave a comment, let me know what you think of the show. Uh, or you can go to gwgpodfellows at gmail.com, drop me a line, let me know what you think of the show. Um, or go to Twitter, I'm at just little joe, uh, or you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. And the Google Play Store. So if you're an Android user, iTunes user, or uh, iPhone user, an Apple user, those are the places you can find the shows. Like, rate, subscribe, stuff like that. That helps me out. Um, I'm 107 episodes into this, and to my knowledge, I checked last night. I don't have any mail yet. So there's been no mailbag sections in the uh, in the podcast because there's nothing. There's no mail to go over. So that would be pretty cool. Tabs mail to go over. That would be neat. So if you want to leave something uh, there, that would be greatly appreciated. And if you know anybody that wants to listen to a one man, uh, you know, yelling into a microphone podcast uh, that isn't that angry, um, you know, let people know about it. Anyway, you guys have a good week and I'll talk to you guys next week.